mezuzah. So the commandment, as we said, to fix, the, to fix a mezuzah on your doorpost is found two times in the Torah. Once in last week's portion, once in this week's reading. And both of those readings that speak about mezuzah are both the two par- first two paragraphs of the Shema. The first paragraph of Shema that we read last week speaks about the mezuzah. You shall write it on the doorposts of your um, house and in your, on your gates. And then in this week's Torah reading, it says the same words. Uh, um, uh, oh, and you should write it. Mezuzot betechem on the ovisharecha on the doorposts of your helm and your gates. Same thing. So this is a very, very important mitzvah. Um, and where we write this mezuzah and we place it on the doorposts of our home and our gates, and I'll get to the details of writing the mezuzah and the doorposts in a moment. But first, just to appreciate why we do this. Every time you walk in and out of a room in your house, wherever you are, whether you're walking into your house, out of your house, through any doorway in your house, wherever you're going, you always see God there in the doorway. Or the mezuzah representing God, always there in the doorway. You're always, God is always around you. And in Judaism, we are very, very, well, Ju- Judaism is around God's commandments, so it's obviously God-centered, but we do many, many things to always remember God. We have the tzitzit that we wear to always remember God. Um, Jewish men have cir- are circumcised, they have it in, on their bodies. Um, we um, always speak with words of God, we always have things to remember God. And so the mezuzah is there to always remember God in your home. It's always there. Also, we're told that the mezuzah brings holiness to your home. When you have a mezuzah on the doors of your home, then your home is holding a mitzvah. Your home essentially becomes the casing or the base for a mitzvah. A mitzvah is stuck to your home. So your whole entire home becomes holy because of the mezuzahs that you have in your home. And essentially when you put a mezuzah in your home, our sages tell us, you turn your home into a temple for God, into a holy sanctuary, a mikdash it's called, a holy place for God. Your whole home becomes a holy place. And you then remember that your home can only be used for holy things. Sometimes people think that in the quiet of their home, they could do what they want. It's a big mistake. (laughs) Because we believe that God is everywhere. God is even in the quiet of your home. Even when nobody's watching. The mezuzah reminds us of that. That God is found everywhere, even in your home. Wherever you are. God is there, and so we have to follow what God wants and be careful about what we do, even in the quiet of our home. Now we believe, and this is a subject for a different class, we believe that every action that a person does has an impact. Even what you do in a locked room that nobody sees has an impact on you, and by extension is going to have an impact on others. And we believe in what we call a human, the social environment. Everything we do has an impact. There's no such thing. I did it for myself. It's none of your business. Whatever you do is everyone's business because it's going to have an impact on everyone else. But wherever you are, we believe God is there with you. God is everywhere. God is watching. And so the mezuzah, wherever we are in our own homes, the mezuzah is always there watching us. 
looking at what we're doing. The mezuzah is always there, God representing God in our home. And also, we put the mezuzah not only on the indoor, inside doors of our home, but on the outside doors of our home. So it's a public sign of our Jewishness. Now, that means that despite anti-Semitism, and we spoke about that a couple weeks ago, even though for 3,000 years they've always hated us, and a lot of them still do. Not everyone does, but a lot of them still do. Even so, we Jews have always been very, very public and very, very open about our Jewish identity. Even though they don't like us and they've targeted us many times, we are not afraid and always public about who we are. We always have been. And the mezuzah is a sign on our door. You can recognize a Jewish house straight away. It has a mezuzah on the door. We always want to draw attention to the fact that we are part of God's people. We wear a yarmulke for that matter. We wear tzitzit. We speak in a godly way. We're always public about our Judaism. And a Jew is not allowed to ever pretend not to be Jewish. So if you are around a bunch of ruffians who ask you, are you Jewish? Unless your life is in danger, then you're allowed to do it. Um, But then you could pretend not to. Even then, you're not allowed to say that you're a Christian. You could just ignore them or try to kind of get away from it. But uh, we never say that we believe in another religion, ever, even if our life is in danger. Um, But we're always proud of who we are and always proud to say that we're Jewish and we're not afraid, um, even though there are people out to get us. So the mezuzah is a public sign of our Jewishness. And we're always public about it. Anyone who walks past a Jewish home knows straight away um, that we are Jewish. We're God's chosen people. Now, after the Torah in this week's reading, after it says you shall write the mezuzahs on your, you should write it on the doorpost of your home and on your gates. Um, the Torah after tells the midst of the mezuzah. The next verse in the Torah continues, Leman yirbu yemechem, so that your days are lengthened, and the days of your children, on the land that God had promised. So your days and the days of your children will be lengthened if you have a mezuzah. Generally, we follow mitzvahs because God told us to do it. Not because we're going to get anything out of it. We believe that there's a lot of gain to be gained personally by following God's commandments. But that's not why we do it. We don't do it because it feels good or because we're going to get anything out of it. We do it because God told us to do it. But mezuzah is unique in that God said, I want you to have a mezuzah because it will protect you. The mezuzah will serve as a protection. It will protect you and it will protect your homes. You may remember the story When Israel left Egypt, before they left Egypt, God struck all the firstborn Egyptians were all killed. And that night God said, I want you to make a Passover sacrifice the day before. And you'll take the blood of this animal that you're going to slaughter. And you're going to put the blood on your doorposts and on the lintel, which is the top of the doorpost of your home. And when God sees the blood on the doorpost, he will pasach, he will jump over your home pass over your home, and he will only smite the Egyptians. And so, and that's why we call the holiday Passover. So, the blood on the doorpost represented the 
uh, or was God's protection or represented God's protection of us. Today, we put up the mezuzah on the doorpost for that same protection extension of that same protection from God. We follow God. We put the mezuzah up. It serves as a protection for us. And so it's very important to always have a kosher mezuzah up on every door in your home because it protects your home. It serves as a Jewish security system. Now, we should be clear. It doesn't mean that it serves in place of a security system. Um, we don't guarantee that you will not have any burglaries if you have kosher mezuzahs. But we do believe that God protects you. We also don't think that people without mezuzahs will necessarily be burglarized or have other home problems, fires, or who knows what else. Um, rather, the mezuzah serves as... If you don't have a security system, that doesn't mean that burglars will ne- necessarily come to your house, but a security system offers an extra layer of protection. We believe the mezuzah offers an extra layer of spiritual protection to your home. The Talmud tells us that the great sage Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi who was known as the author of the Mishnah, the great sage of Rabbi Yehuda Anasi was sent a gift by the Parthian or Persian emperor. His name was Artaban. And Artaban, the Persian emperor, sent Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi a gift. We don't know why he sent him. He sent him a gift. What did he sent him? A very, very valuable diamond. What do you do when another dignitary, another leader gives you a gift? Rabbi Yehuda Anasi was the religious leader of Jews in his time, what do you do? You send back a gift. What gift did Rabbi Yehuda Anasi send back? He sent him back a mezuzah. So when Artaban got the mezuzah, he gets very upset. He says, why are you sending? I sent you a diamond and you send me a piece of paper. So Rabbi Yehuda Anasi sent him back a message. You're making a mistake. The diamond that you sent me, I need to get a safe to put it in. And I need to then protect and defend that diamond. The mezuzah I sent you will protect and defend you. Another great story the Talmud tells us. Titus, Emperor Titus, one of the emperors of Rome who destroyed our temple had a nephew whose name was Unculus. Unculus is um, Unculus. And Unculus decided he had an interest in Judaism. There were Jews in Rome at the time. He got to know some Jews. He decided he wanted to convert to Judaism. He ended up making it to the land of Israel. And over there, he converted to Judaism. Emperor Titus hears his nephew Unculus converted to Judaism, he is furious. And he orders him brought before him. He orders him brought to, um, uh, brought before, uh, arrested and brought before him. And the soldiers come to Unculus's home. And Unculus invites, Unculus was a great scholar. Later he wrote the first, uh, or one of the major Aramaic translations of the Torah. And um, we still use that translation today. It's still printed in all of our um, chumashim, all of our um, books of Torah. 
And so um, Onkelos invites the soldiers in, says, you've come to arrest me, but I'm the emperor's nephew. So before you arrest me, why don't you come sit down, have some tea, have some cake, your, your guests in my home, come sit down. So why not? They sit down and he says, do you know why you've been sent to arrest me? And they say, no, please tell us. He says, well, because I converted to Judaism. So do you know why I converted to Judaism? They said, no, explain it to us. And he starts explaining to them the beauty of Judaism, of the belief in one God, as opposed to the Romans, of how many gods they had, and the power of the, Jew- the Jewish people, and the covenant God made with his people, and the beauty of Torah. And they have a very, very long conversation, and they're so enthralled by it. And um, they, um, at a certain point, they're so amazed by it. They say, tell us more. You want to learn more? He says, you know what? I can help you go to yeshiva where you will study. And indeed, they all went off to yeshiva and they all uh, ended up converting to Judaism. So the soldiers don't return. They disappear. Emperor Titus discovers something happened to the soldiers. They're all disappeared. And so he sends another contingent of soldiers. But he knows that his nephew, Onkelos, has a very smooth tongue and uh, can uh, talk the soldiers out of arresting him. So he warns the soldiers, don't sit down in the house and don't speak to him. Just arrest him and bring him here. (laughs) And so the soldiers go back to... um, go to Onkelos' home, this new group of soldiers, and they arrest Onkelos, and he invites them again for tea and to sit down, and they say, no, you are under arrest. We were or- under orders not to converse with you. Um, and so they take him, and as they're schlepping him out of the house, he picks up his hand, and he kisses the mezuzah. And he says, do you know why I just kissed that? And they say, no, why? He says, well... The emperor, around his home, around his palace, how many soldiers does he have? Well, he has whole contingents and rings, multiple rings of soldiers protecting him. He says, well, my emperor, my king, he sits around my house and protects me. They're like, really? Who's your king? He says, well, let me explain it to you. (laughs) And he starts explaining to them about God. And uh, after that, his uncle gave up. So um, that is the power of the mezuzah, that God protects us. Other kings need soldiers protecting them. God protects us. And indeed, the Rebbe would always tell people who had problems, such as um, whether something happened in their home, a burglary, a fire, or even personal problems, health problems, financial problems, the Rebbe would always tell them, make sure you have a kosher mezuzah on every door in your home because your protection is clearly not working well. So if you check all your mezuzahs, make sure every door is a mezuzah and a kosher mezuzah. And if you haven't checked them, check them to make sure they're kosher. Um, and that will serve as your protection. What makes it kosher? Very good question. Very, very good question. I'm going to get to that. So what is a mezuzah? So a mezuzah is not a box. It is not a case. That is a very big misconception. It is not a case. It is not a box. A mezuzah is placed in a case or a box to keep it, but it is not a case or a box. Um, It is rather the scroll inside, which is why I love these cases, because you can actually see the scroll that is inside. Inside the case sits a scroll rolled up. 
here it is opened. As you'll see, this mezuzah is not a good one. Um, but here is a open. What's wrong with this mezuzah? It's torn, right? Very good. Um, this is what a mezuzah would look like. And as you can see, it has 22 lines of writing in it. Um, the mezuzah is made from a parchment of a, a hide of a kosher animal. So you can, in theory, use any kosher animal. Um, kosher animals are either cows, sheep, goats, deer, gazelle. Um, so any of those would work for kosher hides. There were communities that used deer hides. Most mezuzahs today are made from sheep hide. It's the easiest to use. It is worked down and cut down to be exactly a square that looks exactly like this. Now the ink from the mezuzah must be a special kind of ink um, that it's the same ink that we use to write a Torah scroll. And a lot of the rules of the mezuzah are similar to the rules of the Torah scroll. We did a class sometime back about a Torah scroll. At the, um, in October, we will be beginning a new Torah scroll for the JCC. I will, you'll get more information about it. And we will have a, when we do that, we're going to do it on a Sunday morning, um, right after our class, and we will have a, um, workshop on how to write a Torah scroll. Um, so the mezuzah is written very similar. It's written with ink. The ink is made of plants. We have a special way to make the ink. And what's unique about the ink is, unlike regular ink that you use in your pen, this ink will not be absorbed in the parchment. Right? When you write with pen, the pen, the ink of the pen actually goes into the paper. That's why you kind of erase it afterwards. This does not get absorbed in the parchment, but simply sits on top. And you can actually take a um, you can actually take a scalpel and actually um, take off the um, the sorry a scra yeah scrape off the the ink um, you actually could scrape it off which means that the ink could crack and the ink could actually fall off but it's an ink that can be taken off um, and so the mezuzah is handwritten by a scribe. Now it needs to be handwritten because it needs to be made by a, with, by a Jew who is themselves obligated in the mitzvah of mezuzah. And it needs to be made um, with the intention of being used for a mezuzah. Machines have no such minds and so therefore it must be handwritten by a, by a person. Um, and it's written in a very special Hebrew script same script as the Torah scroll called Ashuris. Ashuris. Um, so it's a special kind of script. Now, unfortunately, most of mezuzahs that I find, when I check people's homes and I find mezuzahs, most of the mezuzahs out there on the market are not kosher mezuzahs. Some mezuzahs that I find, some mezuzahs that I find are... Oh, I had one here. I thought I did. Some mezuzahs that I find are simply paper. I thought I had brought a paper mezuzah, but I didn't. Um, they're simply... Oh, this is it. This is it. Sorry. I did bring a paper mezuzah. Some mezuzahs, you can pass this around. Some mezuzahs I find are simply paper. How do you know if it's paper? It tears. You, you see, I t tore the top over there to be certain it was paper when I first got it. Um, and then I kept it for demonstrations. Uh, but as you can see, it's paper, parchment, 
doesn't tear. Or it could tear if you try really hard, but it doesn't. If you just li- easily, it won't tear. So, this wasn't torn by someone with their fingers tearing. This was cracked over the years. It got dried out in the crack. So this was this cracked. The person didn't actually tear this. They cracked the cup. It's no good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But paper, you'll see it tears. It's very easy to see if it's paper. It's a different texture too. But sometimes they make like nicer papers that could feel more similar to parchment. But you'll see if it's paper, it's going to tear straight away. Um, now, other times mezuzahs are simply not. They could be made of parchment like this one, but they're simply not written with the proper script. They're written with a basic Hebrew script. It's a lot faster to write like that. You could write a mezuzah maybe in five minutes like that, but it's not a kosher mezuzah. It has no value. Sometimes, um, this one doesn't have it. Sometimes mezuzahs are printed. This one's not a printed one. This one's written with a regular script. Um, Sometimes you'll find they're printed. How can you tell if they're printed? If they're printed, they don't use real mezuzah ink because real mezuzah ink won't go in your printer. So if they're printed, they're not using real mezuzah ink, and you won't be able to feel the ink on top. The mezuzah ink, you can actually feel it. You put your fingers over it, you could feel the bumps of the ink. Um, if it's printed or not written with proper ink, you won't be able to feel it. So you could tell straight away. So, so yes. Each one is handwritten. They're scribes, they're professionals. Each one. Each one. Now, if you look carefully at the letters, you'll see it's handwritten. Um, I've spent a lot of time looking at different... Um, I'll tell you soon how they make the lines straight. Um, now, some mezuzahs, what they do is they write it properly, everything's done properly, but what they do is they put gloss over the paper. They put like a, cre- a gloss over the paper... Um, this used to be done many years ago. You see it less today. It used to be very common. Um, it's Again, they would have scribes writing it. It's not kosher with the gloss over it. It's much easier to write, but it's harder to detect. Again, a fake. Um, there's a lot of fake mezuzahs out there. A lot of people, that bad people, I believe, that are in the business of selling fake mezuzahs because they're cheap and they can make a lot of money off them. It's a bad business to be in. That is a good question. I'm going to tell you in a minute. Okay. Here is, I'm going to pass around for you um, also a kosher mezuzah. Um, Here's a kosher one that I'm going to pass around the kosher one for you that is made of parchment, written properly, and you can actually feel the letters um, and doesn't have the gloss. That's the one with the gloss. So that's all coming around. Yes. 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 Okay. So here, some, some basic rules. So how do you know that the mezuzah you're buying is kosher? So firstly, it is almost, it is very, very difficult to write a mezuzah less than about two and a half, three inches in size. Now you can have mezuzahs less than two and a half, three inches in size. You can, and I've seen kosher mezuzahs, they're very expensive because you need a very skilled scribe to write that small. 
Most kosher mezuzahs, the mezuzahs that we sell, the smallest mezuzah we sell is 2.7 inches or 7 centimeters. Um, and then the stand, those are um, harder to get. There's a, those are very hard to get. Um, our supplier um, knows that as soon as he gets the 7 centimeter mezuzahs, he sends me whatever he has because a lot of the cases only fit in that. And I'm always asking him for more. They're very, very hard to find because scribes don't like writing that small. The average size uh, usually is about 10 centimeters or even larger. These ones are 10 centimeter mezuzahs. So they're, they're larger. That's about three and a half inches. Um, so these are larger. The small mezuzahs, they're very hard to write. Almost guaranteed your small mezuzah is not kosher if it's very small. If you have those tiny cases, it's not going to be kosher unless you spent a lot of money getting a special commission small mezuzah. The scroll. So if you end up with a mezuzah that is not kosher, can it be made kosher? Very good question. If your mezuzah is not kosher, if it's written on paper or written on gloss or printed, there's no way to make it kosher. Even if it has a mistake in it, we cannot fix a mistake in a mezuzah. Once a mezuzah has a mistake, the whole mezuzah is not kosher. Now, if you have a case, you can put a new mezuzah in the case, except... Many cases that they sell today are too small for a real mezuzah. And a lot of the cases out there won't fit a real mezuzah. And uh, so you've got to be careful. And often people ask me, can you get me a mezuzah for this case? And I tell them the smallest mezuzah we have is 2.7 inches. If it doesn't fit 2.7 inches, if it's smaller than that, it's not going to fit a kosher mezuzah unless you want to pay a lot for a special commission small mezuzah. You're better off getting a new case. So yes, Linda. No, it gets rolled up. No, you'll break, you'll ruin the letters if you fold it. Yes. To check mezuzahs. Yes. 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 I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to it. So let me just conclude um, with how to know whether you're buying a kosher mezuzah. The other thing that I often find that I, the other important rule of thumb is price. If you get offered a new iPhone for $500, you know it's a fake, right? Just as you, if they offer you a Rolex watch for a fraction of the price, you know it's a fake, right? You know they're selling, sorry? Or stolen. Or stolen. stolen. You know it's a fake. If you get offered a mezuzah for a price too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Here's a, basic, here's a basic economic calculation. The most basic mezuzah by a very unskilled scribe, in other words, a scribe just in the beginning of their career, who doesn't have kind of a name, and the, they get very, very expensive as you get higher quality mezuzahs. Larger and very high quality mezuzahs could, be, could go for two, $300 or more. So you, the most basic mezuzah by a basic scribe um, starting out in their career, including the cost of, takes about half an hour to write, they get paid not very much, <coughs> plus a little, little bit for the material. If they're making about $40 an hour, the mezuzah will end up costing you about $25 a mezuzah. When it's bought by the, by, when it's bought by the exporter, 
There's exporters in Israel that buy mezuzahs from scribes and export them. That then gets imported to the United States. It then gets sold off to suppliers who then sell it to the stores. By the time that original at cost price $25 mezuzah gets to the store, it costs a minimum of $40. We over here um, break the market at the Torah Center by selling it at wholesale cost price that we buy it from the supplier, $35. We sell for $40? Sorry, we sell for $40. Take that back. Take that back. We sell for $40, which is where pretty much it's a drop more than what we pay for the wholesaler for, um, and we buy them in bulk. Um, But $40, you'll be hard-pressed to find. We're probably one of the cheapest. I don't know if in town you could get $40, um, but you won't get anywhere mezuzah for cheaper than $40. If anyone offers you a mezuzah for less than $40, it's a fake. Yes. Yes. They're edited, yes. The supplier, will, the, the one who purchased it from the scribe will have has a team editing them. Yes, absolutely. So the best thing is buy mezuzah either for a, from a store that's reputable. Manhattan Torah Center is a great example. Um, or not, you've got to be careful which ones because I've seen people buy from synagogues that were fake. Um, I know people have bought from Jewish stores on the west side that were fake. So you've got to make sure you buy from the right store on the west side if you're buying on the west side. Or you could buy a mezuzah that has a, sometimes the mezuzah will come in a, in a um, in, in, in a case or in, uh, uh, it's wrapped with a seal of a kosher certification. If it's kosher certified, um, then you'll know that it's kosher. But other than that, you've got to be very careful. Yes, yes, they sell good mezuzahs. Yes. So you, got, you just have to be very, very careful that you buy a good mezuzah. Somebody some time ago told me, Rabbi, I just bought mezuzahs for my whole home, for every door in my home. I paid, I got it for a deal. They gave me a deal because I bought a lot of them and they gave me $15 a mezuzah. I said, horrible deal because they paid five cents for them. They're printed, they're garbage. Can you tell looking at it? Yeah, I just sent them around. You could tell usually. If it's fake, you could tell. If there's a mistake, I can't tell. I send it to a scribe. But if it's fake, you could tell. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that. Okay. So the mezuzah, as you see, is written on lines. The way the mezuzah is straight is we have what we call sirtut, which means before you write the mezuzah, the scribe first, first takes a ruler and draws with a little knife, uh, makes 22 lines with incisions on the parchment. And you'll see those lines if you look carefully at the mezuzah. There's lines on the parchment. The writing is not on the line as we write in English, but the writing is under the line. So the top of the letter is touching the line of the parchment. You'll notice it if you look carefully at those mezuzahs, the kosher ones, um, the real ones that were passed around. Every letter has to be written perfectly. Even one mistake makes it no good, and it cannot be fixed. A number of the letters have what we call tagim. Tagim is these little crowns on the letters that are unique to a mezuzah. There's a number of letters that have, must have unique crowns. Some letters have two crowns on top. Some letters have 
three crowns on top, the shape of the letters, the structure, the crowns, all of that is part of our oral tradition as given to Moses. We've been doing the same thing all these years. The mezuzah is rolled from left to right and placed in a case or a cover. On the outside of the mezuzah, we write the letters of God's name. On the outside of the mezuzah, after it's rolled up, that it could be read, the letters Shin, Dalad, and Yud, which we don't pronounce. It's one of God's seven names. It means God Almighty. Shin, Dalad, and Yud. Now the name... I'll get there in a second. The name Shin, Dalad, Yud, the name Shin, Dalad, Yud also can serve as an acronym for Shomer Daltot Yisrael, he who guards the doors of Israel. Now, on the bottom, according to mystical teachings, we have a um, number of letters that are written. Um, this mezuzah, of course, is not a real mezuzah. It's a fake, and the letters are not written properly, um, but it still has it written. And we write the letters... Um, Kuzu b'muchzas kuzu. What are those letters? So those letters are actually the Hebrew alphabet taking God's two names, the Yud, Yud, Hei, Vav, and Hei, the second name, Elohim, Aleph, Lamed, Yud, Hei, Yud, Mem, and then again the name Yud, Kei, Vav, Kei. But instead of writing those letters, we write the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So instead of the Yud, we write a Kaf, which is the letter after the Yud. Instead of the He, we write a Vav. Instead of the Vav, we write a Zion. Instead of the He, we write a Vav. So we write the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet after each one. And, um, it is the, and we have a tradition to write that on the bottom of the mezuzah. Upside down from the text. Upside down from the text, yes. And the purpose of doing that is? It's our tradition. It's for those, to invoke those names on the mezuzah, those names of God. In addition to the names Shin, Dalad, Yud, we have those other names also invoked on the mezuzah, Havaya and Elohim, but through that combination, um, why that, the details of why that combination, I don't know. But that's our tradition. So now the mezuzah is rolled up and placed in a case. Our custom is to put the letter Shin for the Shin, Dalad Yud, um, for God's name, on the outside of the casing as well. You could see it over here on the outside of the case. So we put the mezuzah in the case. Some have very fancy cases. Today there's a whole selection of different cases. It's important the mezuzah is not the case. The mezuzah is what is inside. That's very important. Now, the mezuzah has to be placed. Where do we put this mezuzah? We put it on every single doorway in the home, except doorways leading either to the ba a bathroom or a room that is smaller than six feet long and six feet wide. So if it's smaller than six feet long and six feet wide and doesn't open to another room, so if it's just kind of a closet or something that's less than six feet by six feet, um, then you don't need a mezuzah. Some walk-in closets are more than six feet by six feet, depending on the size of your walk-in closet. Um, then it would require a mezuzah. So if one, if one dimension is not six feet, it 
You don't need it. It needs to be six feet by six feet for a mezuzah. So, we place the mezuzah on doorway, old doorways, even if you have a door that you never use. Say there's a back door, back door in your garage that you never use, um, unless it's blocked that you can't open it. Um, any doorway that could be used, even if you never really use it, we put a mezuzah on every single doorway that could be opened. Um, we also put it not just on doorways in the house, but also outside on our gates. Any doorway that you have, so long as it, ha- that it, as it is considered a doorway. To be considered a doorway, it must have two sides and a top. If it has two sides and the top, it is considered a doorway. There does not need to be a door in it. Anything that has two sides and a top is considered a doorway. If you have an archway in your home, and often homes can have multiple archways, every archway needs a, requires, if it has a top coming down from the roof, and it has two sides coming in, it requires a mezuzah, even if there is no actual door. Very good question. So now sometimes, I'll get to that in a moment. So sometimes the mezuzahs, the doorways, it's unclear. Is it a doorway? If you look at it from one side, it looks like a doorway. From the other side, it's not. We have a complicated set of laws as to how to figure out if it is a doorway or if it's not. Um, it's actually a mezuzah app that you could download where there's a team during certain times. There's a team of experts who you can show them your doorways and they will respond to you. Um, tell you to show them in different, from different directions and they'll tell you whether it requires a mezuzah or not. Um, but, or you can ask me, I'll not, help you out if you're not unsure. Not in the shower. Now, except for bathrooms, right? We mentioned that earlier, right? Bathrooms do not require. No, only one place in the doorway, um, only one part of the door. You don't have to put on both sides of the door. Um, so now the door, now which side do you put it on? Which side of the door? So the mezuzah always goes on the right side of the door. Now, which side is the right side? Depends which way you're going. So it's always the right side of the door when entering. So if you're entering a home, it's very easy. Going into the home, you're going in. That's very easy. If you're entering a room that has no way out, it's very clear which way you're entering, right? You're entering the room. What happens if... You have one room leads into the next, it leads into the next. How do you know when you're entering, when you're going out, which way you go? So there's um, variations here, but the standard is we look at if there's a door in the doorway, we look at which way the door opens. The room the door opens into is generally the room that the door, the, the room the door opens into is the way you are entering, the room you're entering into. So we put it on the right side. So you don't put it on the side of the hinges, you put it on, oh sorry, not, not on the side where the door is opening into, but you put it on the other side. It should be on the right-hand side. No, it should be on the right-hand side when you go in. You can move it, yeah. Oh, yeah, you move it then. But on the other side. Um, if there's no door, then it depends on which side. Uh, sometimes it's unclear, and then you can put it on either side if there's no clear entrance one way or another. Now, the mezuzah is placed on um, the right side of the door just over two-thirds of the way up. 
unless the doorway is extremely high with two-thirds of the way up is beyond human reach and then you put it at human height at normal at your own height you put it at that height where you're able to see it your eye height um, otherwise you put it two just over two-thirds of the way up now how do you place the mezuzah the Ashkenazi custom is that we place the mezuzah on a slant slanting facing slanting into the room the top slanting into the room. Sephardic Jews place it straight. So there's a variation here between Ashkenazic Jews who place it on a slant, Sephardic Jews who put it straight. Not only do we put mezuzahs on every door in our home, we should put mezuzahs on the doors of Jewish-owned businesses. If we have businesses, we should put it on our businesses. If we work in an office for someone else, we do not need to put a mezuzah if we don't own it. Um, we should also, if we have Jewish organizations, synagogues, we put mezuzahs there, of course, as well. When we put up a mezuzah, we recite a blessing first. How do you, the first time you put it up, if you take it down to check and put it back or switch it out, you don't need to uh, make a blessing. How do you, um, the blessing, we have a paper, if you wish, um, a pamphlet that has the blessing in it. The blessing is Asher Kiddishanu Mitzvotah V'tzivanu Likboa Mezuzah. Now, um, so uh, all these places. So we need to. Very important that we put up the mezuzah in all of these places. Um, if you move into a place, you have up to thirty days to put the mezuzah up in your place. For that matter, if you take the mezuzah down to be checked, also you have up to thirty days. You could have the mezuzah down, and then within thirty days you should put it up. Um, but every Jewish place should have a mezuzah. Now, you say it can be taken down. You could upgrade the interior, absolutely. You could change it out, absolutely. The case is, doesn't count. The case is just the case. The mezuzah itself, you have to get a new kosher mezuzah. If it, you could keep the case if it fits. Um, if the case is too small for a kosher mezuzah, then you're going to have to get a new case. Yes, Pamela. It depends whose home, who's taking over your home after you. If another Jew is taking over your home, you should leave the mezuzah there and not take it down. Although it would be decency for them to purchase their own mezuzahs and give you back yours. Um, if you're selling your house to a non-Jew, you definitely, or non-Jews moving in after you, you definitely should take it down. So now since all the letters in the mezuzah have to be complete... Even if you buy a kosher mezuzah, mezuzahs need to be checked periodically because with time, the mezuzah can get moist and it can cause the mezuzah to dry out and get cracked, to crack like this one did. It can cause, even if the mezuzah itself doesn't crack, because the letters sit on top of the parchment, the letters can crack. So they don't last very long. Particularly, they could last. Depend, a lot depends on the casing that you use. You could actually buy. I don't know if we sell them. You could buy airtight cases for mezuzahs um, that will the mezuzahs will keep for a lot longer. I don't think we have them. Uh, we do have. Okay, Maybe you can, waterproof. Okay, so you could buy waterproof mezuzahs cases. So um, then the letters can actually crack. So they do have to be checked every once in a while. We who live near the ocean, and the closer you live to the ocean, the more problem you're going to have. 
the um, air is full of salty ocean um, moisture, and um, it therefore causes the mezuzahs a lot more problems in this area, um, particularly given that the that our environment is very dry and our the wind is blowing in um, moist salty air from the ocean, and so um, particularly if you live near the ocean, and so it causes a lot of trouble for mezuzahs. So the standard rule um, in Jewish law is the mezuzahs should be te- checked twice in seven years. So every three to four years. Many check it more often. Many check it, some even check it annually. Um, so I would definitely encourage if things, don't, things go wrong, someone gets sick, someone gets hurt, there's a burglary, um, I would definitely encourage you, and you haven't checked your mezuzahs for a while, I would definitely encourage you to check your mezuzahs. Um, it's okay, as we said, not to have the mezuzah up up to 30 days while the scribe is checking it. Um, but we should always encourage, if anybody here has not checked their mezuzahs for the last couple of years, definitely have your mezuzahs checked. I strongly encourage it. It's very easy to take down. If you have trouble taking down, I'd be happy to come over to your home, take down your mezuzahs for you um, and have them checked. We send them into a scribe on the west side who checks. Usually, if they weren't kosher to start with, I'll tell you. It's very easy to tell. If it was a kosher mezuzah, I can send them in, have them checked, and um, let you know if they're kosher. It costs $15 to have them checked. If they're not kosher, they won't charge you. Um, but I will sell you a new one, which um, Annette says is $40 in our store. Um, so, um, but we, but we, I definitely would encourage you to check them if they have not been checked. Remember, it's an investment. Not, firstly, it's a mitzvah. Who, what better do we have to do? It's not very much money if you think about it, but what better are you going to spend on than a mitzvah? And also, it's a security investment, right? You invest in your alarm system, you invest in your other security system, you invest in mezuzahs. It's worth it. So, Mezuzah is a mitzvah um, that many, many Jews are careful to do. Even today, even Jews that have perhaps have been lapsed in some other mitzvahs are generally careful with mezuzah. I, I don't know if it's a majority, but I think it is. Most Jews in this country still have mezuzahs. Although, by and large, from my experience, most mezuzahs that most people have are not kosher. It's a problem. There are many places... Um, that are selling non-kosher mezuzahs. A lot of people in the industry of non-kosher mezuzahs. It's a big problem. And um, I definitely encourage everyone to check your mezuzahs. If you're going to have it, have a kosher one. But it's something that Jews have always been very careful about. Um, you go, you walk around, you see people who have almost nothing else Jewish practice. They still have mezuzahs on their homes. Yes, Doc? My daughter lives with a number of other people. They're not She should put it up on her own room. She doesn't have to put it on the whole apartment, but she should put it up on her can own she room. Put it on the apartment? She can, yes. She can She's not required to. Yes. Um, in general, thank you for mentioning, when we put up mezuzahs, uh, once upon a time they used to use nails or screws. Um, you could still do that. Um, the problem is they make wood harder and harder to get nails into nowadays. Um, they make them stronger and stronger than whatever they put into it. It's not wood anymore, uh, whatever they sell as wood. So these doors are often very hard to bang nails into. Um, and so uh, what, we've, what I've been using for many years is double-sided tape. It works a lot better. 
Um, it's much easier to put up and take down. And um, it leaves a marking, perhaps, but um, you don't, it's, it's easier to put it up and take it down. Um, so we have personal, so the Muslims is very important. We have a personal benefit from it. Firstly, it's an identifier as Jews. As we said before, it helps us. Um, it, it helps us remember God in our homes. It makes our home a, a holy place. And so therefore, I want to encourage everyone. If you don't have a mezuzah on every single door of your home, I know it's an investment, um, but I would encourage you to get a mezuzah for every door of your home. For those who find it beyond their ability at the moment, we have a fund, um, a tefillin and mezuzah fund, where we help supply for anyone who has trouble covering the costs, where we will cover the costs and give you mezuzah at no charge. Um, if you need, let me know. We'd be happy to give as many mezuzahs as you, as you need. Um, and those who wish to donate to the fund, please do as well uh, to help those that need mezuzahs. But I would definitely encourage you regardless to get a mezuzah on every door of your home. If you have mezuzahs, whether on some doors or on every door, and have not check, had it checked in recent years, I would definitely encourage you to have it checked. Um, if you can get it down and bring it to me, um, please do that. You can bring it to me next week um, if you, or any time you like. Um, if you have trouble getting it down, I'd be happy to come to your home and take it down. Um, let me know, and I will arrange a time to come to your home, take down all your mezuzahs, and have all, of your, um, have all your mezuzahs checked. Um, there is a service where you get a scribe. I think he charged $150 for home visits um, in addition to the actual checking. But you can have a scribe actually come to your home, do all the checking right there, and then put them all up. Um, put all, make sure your house is full of kosher mezuzahs. Um, I can get you the number to that scribe that does it um, if you like. Or the easier, the, not easier, but the cheaper way to do it would be I'll take down your mezuzah or bring your mezuzah to me, <laughs> have him checked, and if you need new ones, um, we'll get you new ones. Yes, Annette? What prayers the Shema, the two paragraphs of the Shema, are the prayers in the mezuzah. Those are the prayers in the mezuzah. So it's a very, very important mitzvah, and again, I um, encourage everyone to try to make sure that you have proper mezuzahs. Uh, I would further encourage you, if you have friends, often I walk into people's homes and I see they don't have a mezuzah on their door. First thing I say when I walk into someone's home is, I'll get you a mezuzah. I would love to get you a mezuzah. And um, so if you have friends, encourage them to get mezuzahs. Um, like I said, we have a fund if it's hard for them to get mezuzahs. Um, and um, encourage them to, if they have mezuzahs and they haven't checked them in a long time, encourage them to check their mezuzahs. What I've ha- what it's even happened to me many times is I've gone to a home, taken off the case, and there's nothing there inside the case. Not even a piece of paper, right? Let alone those that have the pieces of paper. So um, definitely, I would definitely encourage you to check the mezuzah. So those people have there for years and they never thought about it. Um, definitely encourage it. We should all have. It's an easy mezuzah mitzvah to do. There's some mitzvahs that are very difficult. Um, some mitzvahs that are extremely, uh, you know, change your, are life-changing um, Shabbos, kosher, they're very difficult mitzvahs. Mezuzah is a fairly easy mezuzah mitzvah to do. You put it up once, you got it. We have a custom, as I mentioned earlier, to kiss it every time we go in and out of the room, or at least touch it every time we go in and out of the room, to always remind us about the holiness that God is in our home.